0: Hey Church, Pastor Adam here. And I want to say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for Church Online today. And, and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do want to remind you that really this is just is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and, and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, but, but also, we don't want to be uh, your substitute Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person. Uh, One Sunday, if you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church, and and we love Jesus, and, and we believe that we can better serve uh jesus if we love his church well so welcome to rest good morning rest church
1: oh that was wheat sauce people good morning rest church yeah yeah um this week we are closing out under the hood week number six All throughout this sermon series, we have been basically exploring the culture of Rest Church. Just like you would never go to the dealership, and buy a car just because it looks cool, especially like a, a vintage car. You wouldn't just show up and go, hey, yeah, I'm going to buy it sight unseen other than the exterior because what's under the hood matters, right? Um, you, you know, when you come to look for a church, when you kind of church shop, let's call it that. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I know it doesn't sound... Very spiritual to say that you chirp shop, but it happens. We can all be honest with each other. Um, but when you do, you know you, you want to know kind of what's actually going on in that church. What does that church value? What do, what do they care? Why do they do what they do? What's the vision? Or, and here, here's the other thing. Can these people be trusted? Are they just a tad bit less crazy than all of the rest of the crazies? Are they spiritually, scripturally sound? Do they practice what they preach? Maybe you've asked those questions before. And, and you go to a church and you say, hey, why do you do this thing that you do? And they say, well, it's the way we've always done it. And you're like, but but Why? I don't know, same reason why mom cuts the ro- roast in half before she puts it in there. And you ask mom, why, mom, do you cut the roast in half before you put it in the crockpot? And eventually, as you find out, what you find is that the crockpots were so much smaller, which is why they cut it in half back then, is so they could get it in there. And, but you're like, the crockpot's bigger, so why are you still doing it? Well, it's the way we've always done it. It's the way we've always done it. And here at Rest Church, it's, we've talked about for the last five weeks, coming into week six today, that response, that answer is not good enough here in our fellowship, here in our community. We never, ever want to be beholden to the yesteryears of our church. We never want to be beholden to tradition. We want to constantly be moving where God is going, which is why we say we paint golf balls. We want to be nimble and moving towards where God is calling us to be. Last week in week five, Pastor A.B. discussed what it meant to have a culture of celebration. How many of you um, left church last Sunday going, that was church? Come on, how many of you left church last week going, that was church? So, my wife and I were away for our anniversary, and um, even our anniversary was yesterday, but we went away for an anniversary trip last weekend. And I kid you not, Adam walks out of service and he immediately calls me. And I didn't answer, we were, we were doing something, but I called him back a few hours later and he was like, bro, church was dope. Yeah, at, at, at John was out last week too. So two of the four pastors were gone. And, and he he said, dude, the whole time I was sitting there going, I wish Cody was here. His Pentecostalness would have been running the aisles. He goes, running the aisles, man. Um, I'm glad to hear you have the best knockdown, drag out worship service in seven years. The Sunday I'm not here, but whatever. <laughs> But last week in week five, he pointed out what it means to have a culture of celebration. It means enjoying Jesus plus one another. He said, God doesn't call you to go to church, but he does call you to belong to one. Did you hear that? He doesn't call you to go to church, but he calls you to belong to one because the church is not this building, despite what the Catholic church wants you to believe, is that you know a bunch of bricks are sacred. No, no, no. Jesus dispels that theory. When Jesus says, hey, I don't live in houses made with human hands, but Jesus resides in our hearts. And so where the gathering of the fellowship of the presbytery, the, the church, where the gathering of the congregation comes together, that is the church. And so God doesn't call you to go to church, but he, be, he calls you to belong to one, belong to a community of faith. And at a minimum, he goes on to say, at a minimum, you can't fulfill all um, all the one another's in the Bible if you don't belong to a local church, you can't love one another, you can't do all the one another's that the Bible prescribes if you don't belong to a local church body. And so, this week, we're going to close out this sermon series of Under the Hood and we're going to talk about our culture of ownership here at Rest Church. Say, ownership culture of ownership. What does it mean? Um, If somebody was to drop out of a spaceship, was to fall in our church and was to say, ask me a question, pastor, what makes Rest Church different than most other churches? This particular culture, this particular kind of pillar of our community is what I would say to them separates us from most churches. It is our church's culture of ownership. And I want to say today I I'm not speaking, I'm not projecting, I'm not saying what we hope to become. I'm telling you truly, this is a fact of who our church is. I'm speaking from a position where it already exists. From day one, when we planted Rest Church, we have pushed the idea as we constantly say we don't have members here at our church. If you say you want to join our church, we're going to tell you right off the bat, we do not have members. We have what church? Family partners. We don't have members because members have what? And family partners have? We don't have members here because it's not a country club. We don't have rights But we are a family where we all have responsibilities. And first of all, if you're a first-time guest, I'm I'm going to just go ahead and say, yes, that's a corny thing to say. Yes, it is. I know. But before you roll your eyes, before you jump to that conclusion and go, oh, yeah, sounds great. Corny little catchphrase. I want want you to step back with me and I want you to consider this. Everything in this room, everything, literally everything, Everything in this room that you see, everything when you went to check in your kids this morning, as you walk through the halls of our children's wing, is 100% volunteer driven and led. I want want you to consider this our worship team is 100% volunteer. Our children's ministry team is 100% volunteer. Our 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 cafe ministry 100% volunteer. This sermon that you're hearing today is 100% volunteer. It was all brought to you by volunteers. We have on, on at this church one single full-time paid person. One That's truly unbelievable for a church ourselves. When we have conversations with other church leaders and and they they start to ask us questions about what we do, how we do it, and how we've been able to, over the years, accomplish what we have, they are blown away at our ability to be nimble, to be quick, and to grow, and to be able to do the amazing things that we do given the fact that we have one full-time person. It's not because our pastors, it's not because we have flashy showmanship. In fact, I I could contend with you the early years when AB and I led worship, it was, as a dog would say, rough. And if you were here for those early days, can I get an amen for our current worship team? Yeah. Yeah. It's not because of how flashy we were. Because we weren't. We were quite utilitarian, honestly. But it was solely on the fact that the folks who called this place home had a culture of ownership. Who seen a gap, who seen a need and stepped into that need faithfully over and over and over again. Who, Who didn't have this idea that it's the pastor's job. In our church, in fact, it's unacceptable to say that's the pastor's job and that's what I pay him for. As this is not a place of religious goods and services, but a community of faith where we seek to see folks become fully devoted followers of Christ. This is simply amazing. It's something so crazy and and. and I want you to give yourselves and the the folks behind you and and the folks who are in this wall behind us leading our children, making it so that we can sit here and listen to a, a sermon. The folks who served you breakfast, the worship team who did a phenomenal job this morning of leading us in worship, I want you to give them a round of applause and to tell them how thankful you are. No matter if you call Rest Church your home or not, God is calling you this morning to be fully committed to a local church and to propel this culture of ownership in that local body. i want to say this again because here at Rest, we're all about the big C church, not just about Rest Church. No matter if you call this place home or not, God is calling you. Say me. Say I. God is calling you calling you to be fully committed to a local church and to propel that church's culture of ownership in that body. I know for a fact, not a matter of opinion, but I know for a fact, God's desire for your life is not one of spiritual consumerism, but one of spiritual servitude. I'm gonna, I want you to look at this. God's desire for your life is not one of spiritual consumerism, but one of spiritual servitude. We have to break the American habit of coming to church as if it's a buffet, old school Ryan's or the Chocolate Wonderfall at Golden Corral. That's not what church is. Church is not a place for us to go to be served but is a place for us to go and serve. Church is not a place for us to go be served but a place for us to go and serve. We church leaders, what we tend to do is we we go and, and, and we try to recruit folks. We have needs in our body. And we say, hey, um, brother, sister, can you come serve in this capacity for us? Our church has a great need. And what we tend to hear is things like, well, you know, pastor, I really just need to be in the service for a while. I really just need to be fed. I'm in a season where I need to be fed. Or or this, yeah, I don't think that's where God has really called me to serve. I don't feel like that's my place I'm supposed to serve. And too often, these folks never take a step anywhere to serve. Now I want to tell you there are seasons in our life that we need to take a pause and we need to begin to eat instead of just giving. Because we can't always just give, but sometimes we need to eat. But that is only for a short season. Say short season. God is always calling us to serve. As leaders, it breaks our hearts when we see and we hear this mentality because this is a mentality of American consumerism and not one of biblical ownership. God has not called us to be consumers here because as we said before, the sermon is only supplementary. It will not lead you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. I want to tell you, I said this before, we'll say it again. Our sermons here are only supplementary. They will not lead you to become fully devoted followers of Christ. You must have ownership of your spiritual walk. This mindset of saying, oh, I just need to be in the service. I don't, I don't know that I want to I serve there. Or I'm not sure that's where I'm called to be. This is directly opposed to the scriptures. A biblical idea of spiritual ownership is going even when we don't know the way. I want you to catch that. A biblical idea of spiritual ownership is going even when we don't know the way. Committing to serve when the assignment is going to be a grind. Committing to serve even when the assignment is going to be a grind. A few weeks back, I told you you need to embrace the suck. Right? You guys remember that? A few weeks back, I said you need to embrace the suck. Sometimes God calls us to go where it will be a grind. Do you think, do you think the Apostle Paul... Liked every community that God called him to go preach at. Do you think he liked taking the beatings that he took and the the martyrdom that he experienced? No, sometimes God calls us to go where it's a grind. And This morning I want to turn our attention to a great example in the scriptures of extreme ownership from Genesis chapter 12. God, seeking to raise up the nation of Israel post the flood of Noah, calls Abraham to step out of his comfort zone and have a culture of ownership as he walked in service to the Lord. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will what church? And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Church, let's pray. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. God, I pray that you would awaken in us a spiritual ownership, an ownership that says I'm going to get in, I'm going to serve, I'm going to be faithful to God because God has been faithful to me. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. At the spry young age of 75, God calls Abram, not yet Abraham, he hasn't yet received the covenant from God. At the spry young age of 75, God comes to Abram and says, hey, I want you to completely uproot your life and I want you to go to a land that you've never been before and I want you to start all over. How many of you are already exhausted? I mean, I've moved across the country a few times. And and, and those times, I was in my 20s. As I am now approaching the later 30s, I now go, no thank you. No thank you, God. At 75... I can only imagine the thought process of going, hey, I need to, oh wait, boxes don't exist yet. I need to put all of my things in sacks and move into a land that I have no idea where I'm going. But I want you to catch the one fundamental thing that's going on here. It wasn't Abram was going, oh God, no, no, no. At the age of 75, God says to him, I'm going to send you out. But God is sending him out without a destination, church. God is sending him out without a destination. God says to him, if you go, then I will show you. If he went, it was upon, it was conditional upon his obedience to begin the journey. And then when he was obedient and starting the process, it was only then and if then that God would show him where he was going. More often than not, we have to go before God will show I want you to to put this in context of your life. More often than not, we have to go. We have to go on mission. We have to live in mission before God will show us what he has specifically called us to or where we are specifically supposed to be. Most of the time, we must go first, and then he will make our way clear. Have you guys ever tried to drive a tractor without power steering? I I have a, in my barn at my house, I have a John Deere, I think it's a 1020, and it does not have power steering, okay? And what that basically means is that when you start the tractor, you want to position yourself for wherever you're going, that you don't have to immediately turn, okay? Because... If you've ever drove a vehicle without power steering, it is the most exhausting thing that you have ever done because you basically have to do like three full revolutions on that steering column in order to go in one direction. And so if you don't get your tractor positioned just right to where either you can begin rolling forward before you turn, you can forget it sometimes. A tractor without power steering is so much easier to turn when in motion. In the physical realm, it's a scientific law that an object already in motion is easier to steer than one at rest. The same is true in our spiritual lives. At first, our worry should not be where we are going to serve or what we are eventually going to be, but that we would actually begin to move forward in motion. Many of us need to simply get our spiritual lives in motion in order to get us out of this spiritual consumerism, to get us out of just being spectators to God's local church. We need to just begin to put ourselves in motion, to move forward, and then from there God will begin to direct our footsteps. I can tell you this, if you're experiencing a drought in your life, I want to encourage you to begin to serve in the local church. If you say, I I can't seem to hear God's calling for my life, I can't seem to see where God's molding and shaping me, I can't seem to feel what God has has placed upon my life to do or, or where my family is supposed to be, I cannot impress upon you enough to begin to serve. And who knows, God might even be calling you to serve with a smile in a place that you don't enjoy. Did you catch that? God might even call you to serve with a smile in a place that you don't enjoy. The call for you today is simple. Step into a place of ownership within the local church. Because as our benchmark says, saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. If you want God to show you his calling on your life, we have to go before God will show you. So I asked you this question this morning. What is stopping you from stepping into ownership? What is stopping you from stepping into spiritual ownership in the local body in your spiritual life? Is it your selfishness? When somebody asks you, "Hey, can you can you serve here or can you serve there?" Does your first start, your first statement back to that person start with, "Well, I" or "I'm not" or "I I I don't" does it start with "I"? That's not where I want to be, Pastor. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I feel like in this season. God wants us to be owners, not in giving ourselves what we want, but as Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You might be going, are we really wrapping up? Because Cody's preaching this morning. (laughs) They're like, it's not 1215 yet. You know, I could preach for two hours on this subject. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, Much like Mike Tyson, it only takes one good uppercut for us to get knocked out. I don't need to sit here and beat you up this morning. I don't need to tell you we desperately need you to serve. I don't need to compel you over the head five million different ways. The truth of the matter is, is that you have to be in control of your spiritual life yourself. If you want something different in your life, you have to do something different. You can't aimlessly go about flailing, complaining about how you don't hear, you don't feel God when you're not in tune with God's people and you're not serving the people whom God has created. Is Philippians chapter two verse three is it is it a life verse in your life? Are, are you living out of selfish ambition or conceit? But or, or or are you living in humility, counting others more significant than yourself? It is just that simple. So this morning, I'm going to tell you some places we need help, and I'm gonna I'm gonna compel you. To serve because God has called you to be a part of the local church. If you've been coming here for weeks and months and years and you haven't began to serve, I I cannot tell you enough. You will not take the next step in your spiritual formation until you do. Number one place we need help. And it's always. And this is why I said sometimes God calls you to serve in places with a smile that you don't like our children's ministry, man. We need 10 people today. Not 10 people who are already serving somewhere or three different places. We have lots of people who are faithful and they serve every single week and thank God for them. But we need 10 people today. I'll try to do this without crying. We need people so that we can serve kids with special needs. You've heard me talk about this multiple times. For John and I, it's all too real. We have kids with autism who require help. And the immense burden that that puts upon the class and the, and the teachers sometimes to be able to keep things where, the, where other kids can learn and also our kids can be engaged with the gospel requires helpers. We need 10 people today Who can honestly be like, hey, you know what? It's not really my jam, but I will put on a smile and I will love the heck out of some kids. We need folks who will let me let me first say this before I move on from there. If you're a dude, you can serve in children's ministry all across this room I can look at guys who are faithfully serving in our children's ministry some of them more often than they should but they're filling the gap they have a culture of ownership in their life if you're a dude you can absolutely hang out with some kids just like women and what a good testimony because I want to tell you this man some of those little boys down there they're they're rowdy My youngest one, he'll punch you in the face. Right, Jared? And they need dudes to look at them and be like, dude, stop. Another place, man. We need folks to own being part of our security team. I am sick of seeing Jason Hammonds at that door three out of four weeks a month. I'm sick of it. We need people who will own that and who will help so that that man can be in here and he can be fed so that he can sit next to his wife and worship the Lord. We need folks who will lead rest groups. That is our on-ramp to our family. Right, a place that is that is not crazy committal like our D groups, where you have to commit every single week for a year without fail to be a part of it. But it's more organic, more just kind of get to know the community. We need folks who will say, "I will open my home on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or one night a week, so that people can come in and 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 hang out and build relationships with people in the community." We need people to own that, and then and then additionally, we need folks who will own our excellence team to make sure. That, that our building is ready to, to receive in near 300 people every Sunday to hang out and worship, to be a part of our church family. Our church, while we, have, while we have nearly 100 people in our volunteer rotation right now, we will not stop pressing on this until we are at at or above 90% of our church family is serving. An object that's in motion is much easier to guide and to direct than an object that is at rest. And I can tell you this, sometimes God is calling you to go before he will show you where he's taking you. And so, I'm going to wrap this up in basically the most just, I'm not going to do some emotional pull. Oh, is God calling you? I just want you to own your spot, man. I just want you to to step into what God is calling you to do, and that is to serve. If you are here fundamentally every week or, or three out of four, two out of four weeks a month, and you're not serving, God is calling you. He is using my voice right now. I can guarantee it. You can open up the scriptures. You'll find it littered all over the pages. He is begging you to step into what he has called you to be. Be a servant. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that just like Abraham, sometimes you call us to go before we know the way. God, Lord, I pray that as our phariseutical spirit today wants to tell us, oh, I'm, I'm not truly called to do that. That God, that you will break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, have your way in this place. Have your way today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we start this gospel, as we start this response time, if you don't have the app this morning, and God's impressing upon your heart to serve. I wanna, I wanna beg you to one, download the app. Go to the church center. If you guys wanna throw that out for me. Go to the church center app. You can find that Google Play, Apple, whatever, store. Download the church center. Find Rest Church. There, it's gonna tell you, it's gonna give you a place, an option for you to be able to click and join our serve squad. I am begging you to not let this moment pass you by because your selfishness will get the best of you. And to click there and find a place to serve. I told you we need 10 people today, 10 people today who will say, I will serve in our children's ministry. Will you do your part and own and be a part of the culture of ownership in this body?